Hi, we're Tea and TV, a podcast for TV addicts. I'm Price. And I'm Elizabeth. Today we're discussing The Bold Type Season 1, Episode 9, Before Tequila Sunrise. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Price. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I am a lot better than I've been. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say you sound a lot better than you did. Well, I, I simply sound. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I have not had a voice for the past week and a half. And it has been awful. Uh, but I have a voice now. <laughs> and it might crack during this episode i don't know um but if that happens i promise i'm not going through puberty it's just i've been sick so i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've been trying to record this episode for like two weeks but haven't been able to but that's okay because my voice is back and it's great how are you price i'm good it's been a very chill weekend. I saw Lord in concert. It was it was pretty fucking amazing, if I do say so. That like, sounds so awesome. She's so cool. She's the coolest person ever, um, and insanely talented. And I adore her, and adore her more after seeing her in concert. So that's awesome. That is so cool. I'm like kind of jealous. She's so cool. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I went with our podcast mom, Jackie Bosworth, which was so much fun. And Jackie has described Lord accurately, I feel, as a thousand-year-old sea witch. That's that's a great description. I'm going to steal that. I'm stealing that. Thanks, Jackie. It's the best description of Lord I've ever come across. You also have some big news, don't you? <sighs> yeah, I have really big news. I got into grad school at my top choice. Yay! I'm so excited! Oh my god, I like, it's starting to hit me. So I got this news like four days ago, guys, and I've been freaking out, but like, oh my god, it's happening, and it's real, and it's happening, and I'm gonna go to grad school, and it's gonna be great. Just so you guys all know, this is something Elizabeth has been thinking about doing for years now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, ever since we first met, it was always, you going to grad school is always a possibility, and so it's just... Like, been a long process to get here, and she got into her top school that she wanted. Like, that is incredible. She's amazing. Price is very proud of me, and I love her for it. I am very, very proud of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. So what, what tea are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a really awkward tea. How can a tea be awkward? Well, it's called Vanilla Nut Cream. Ah, okay. That's how a tea can be awkward. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I wanted to drink coffee while we were recording this, so I was just going to grab a tea um, and, you know, fake it. But, oh my god, I had to try this tea because it's called <laughs> Vanilla Nut Cream, and it's honestly delicious, first of all, because it's just vanilla-y and good. Um, but, th- like, there's no nuts in vanilla. So where does the nut come from? <laughs> I don't understand why they had to call it vanilla nut cream. That just is awkward. Yeah, and then just, you know, my mind's in the gutter, so I just, like, yeah. think of inappropriate things with that name. So. Yeah, like nut cream. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get it. And yeah. vanilla. Vanilla. Ugh. Vanilla cream. <laughs> like. <laughs> See? Yeah, awkward. So, yeah, that's, that's what tea I'm drinking. Uh, yeah. What about you? What tea are you drinking? I am drinking huckleberry tea. Um, there's this little uh, tea shop in Pike's Market, and I've gotten some tea there before and saw this and got it and thought I'd try it, and it's pretty good. Like, Can we go to the tea shop the next time I visit you? Um, Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> like, like, yeah, we need to do tea things. That would be fun. So, uh, guys, we have an announcement. What? An announcement? We never have those. I know, it's so exciting. We actually have something to announce. 
Yeah, so we have this episode and then one more episode of The Bold Type Season 1. Uh, next episode, we'll be covering the Season 1 finale. And we just kind of wanted to tell you guys what we're going to be doing after that. So do you, do you want me to say? Do you want to say, Elizabeth? I totally want to say it. Guys, we're going to cover The Handmaid's Tale. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be so great. So we're planning three episodes right now. The first episode, we're going to cover the book versus the show and some of the things that the author, Margaret Atwood, has said about it. Yes. So I am currently rereading it. I've read it once before, and it's just, it's an amazing book. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited that we're going to be talking about it before we get into the, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. So that's the second and third part. We're going to talk about the season in two parts. Um... And we're going to cover Roe v. Wade and abortions in the second episode. And then the third episode, we're going to talk about women's health and the denial to good women's health sometimes. Yeah, so one episode, we'll just cover the book. And then two episodes, we'll cover the first season. The first episode, we'll just cover the first half of the season and Roe v. Wade. And then second part, second half of the season and women's health and everything. Yeah, and... We haven't planned out specifics yet, so these are a little subject to change, but that's currently what we're thinking for all of these episodes. And it'll definitely be the book for one episode and then the show for the next two, but our research topics might differ just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited um, because The Handmaid's Tale won Best Show at the Emmys and the Golden Globes, which is huge. I think it's the first show from a TV stream network to win best show in those two categories, I believe. Uh, Don't quote me on that. But (laughs) (laughs) I've seen the show. Elizabeth's uh, about to watch it. And I haven't seen the show, but I've heard such good things. And I've read the book and it just like broke me. But it was also an amazing experience. So I'm really glad that we're going to cover this and have three hours to talk about it. It's going to be so great. Yeah, we're very excited about it. Yeah. So that's our uh, that's our new plan. Yes. Okay. So do we want to get into the episode that we're covering? Yeah. Let's talk about episode nine. Oh my god. So first, we're starting with Jane. 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 Jane, Jane Sloan. What is Jane up to? Well, in the previous episode, Jane was offered the job at Insight. So this episode is her deciding if she wants to take it. Um, Pinstripe is back. He reaches out to her and they get coffee and kind of reconnect a little bit. And Jane Pinstripe uh, end up getting stuck in the building with Sutton and Alex in the Scarlet office because of the motorcade with Trump. A.K.A. the orange blob. Yep. Yeah. So um, can we just gush about Pinstripe for a second? Pinstripe. Pinstripe. Ryan. Ryan from Pinstripe? Ryan. Pinstripe guy. Absolutely. We're so, uh, but I mean, we love him, obviously. So it's very exciting to have him back, but it, it's under very sad circumstances because he got fired from his job from layoffs. Yeah. So they bring up the layoffs again and they show that Pinstripe had to cut, I think it was half of their editorial staff or something like that. And it it's very sad, but it's also like, He's still really adorable. Like, so Jane sees him with uh, his box of stuff and he's like, oh, God, don't look at me. You're not supposed to see me this way. And he's just like, he's just got such this charm. Yeah, he he oozes charm and charisma even when he's just let go. I love how when they're trying to get out of the building and they're like, hey, what's going on? Why is it closed? And he says, yes, some of us have plans to drink alone tonight. (laughs) I know. I love his lines. Like, I wish they had brought like more of his good lines in the first season, but I'm so happy that we got to experience at least some of him. I also really liked, so... They get stuck in the Scarlet office and they drink and we're going to talk more about that later, but we really get to see how much he knows her versus just like them having sex, which is mostly what we've seen about him and uh, Jane's relationship. But he, he talks about how she's the Scarlet girl. He talks about how he knows she has a pro con list and all of these things that are little moments of Jane's character that aren't 
really obvious to you when you first get to know her. So it shows like he actually cares about her and it's, mm, I love him. Yeah, you really do see how much he's learned about her and knows about her this episode, like you said. And and I think like him being away for a couple of episodes and then coming back right whenever she's about to make this important decision and him knowing kind of what she's thinking yeah. is like, just, it's very apparent uh, how deep of a connection they had. Yeah. Um, I, I love when people can read, you know, what I'm thinking because that doesn't happen very often. So like you and I are usually on the same wavelength. And I feel like that's why we are such good friends is because we can really understand how the other person is thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was very like, very sweet and, a little surprising just to see how much insight. <laughs> well done. Yeah, how much uh, how much insight Pinstripe has about Jane. Yeah, it's very cute. Um, yeah, they kind of bring up Jane's character flaw um, about how she finds it hard to decide of being risky versus safe. She mm-hmm. is having this dilemma with Scarlet versus Insight of something risky versus safe, something she knows that she's always wanted versus something that could be great for her, but she has no idea. Um, And they also talk about if she made the same decision with Pinstripe, like she could have taken a risk and been in a relationship with him, but she played the safe card and broke it off with him. Yeah. And I would, you know, wouldn't say that like, it's necessarily a flaw, but it's just something that we've seen with Jane, like she normally sticks to safe things and very rarely takes risks. Something that Pinstripe points out that he says, but whenever you do take risks, yeah, it's scary, but it can actually end up being good. You took a risk like kissing me and that turned out to be really good. You took a risk within your stories, trying to get interviews with uh, the senator and other other stories that she's done it's good to see like this late in the season can start having this insight about jane and then just kind of like talking about her character and like with this very important decision yeah Um, yeah and it's good to kind of get clued into how he sees her too which is like great yeah but sudden interrupts them before uh like they start talking about the relationship freaking sudden sudden the romantic come on Jane also talks to Sutton about this. Do you think that I'm risk averse? And drunk Sutton is very, is very honest Sutton and pretty much tells her, um, yes, you are. And yeah, things didn't necessarily work out with Pinstripe, not because you wanted different things, but because he kind of ran for the hills, Jane. I mean, that's exactly what happened. Like, yeah, she's right. There's also a little mentorship moment with Jacqueline. Jacqueline is also stuck in the office. So uh, Jane and Pinstripe, and Sutton and Alex all go into Jacqueline's office to see if they can see Trump or just kind of like do something. And Pinstripe tells Jane to sit at uh, Jacqueline's desk, you know, see what it's like to be editor in chief. Maybe it'll help her make the decision. But she leaves her notebook on Jacqueline's desk. Jacqueline walks in and finds them. And it's this terrible moment of just like, get the fuck out of my office. Oh, God, it's so awkward. Um, But then Jacqueline comes back to the group and they start talking about Jane's quiz, which is when do you know when to leave your job? Yeah. So Jane's writing assignment this month is to write the monthly quiz and she decides, yeah, how to know when you're leaving your job. So that's whenever she's talking about it with Alex and Sutton and Pinstripe and then later on. Jacqueline, it's just her trying to kind of figure it out, and maybe the quiz will help her decide, Um, except whenever Jacqueline joins into the conversation, we don't know if she knows if Jane's thinking about leaving or if she's seen Jane's notebook with her pro-pro list about whether to leave or not. Right. So Jacqueline, at one point, pulls Jane aside and says, you know, when I took this job at Scarlet, it was a risky move, and it scared the hell out of me, but it was absolutely the right decision. So in some ways, I feel like Jacqueline did read the notebook, and she knows that Jane is thinking about this. I mean, I feel like maybe, you know, even Insight called her to see what's going on, Mm -hmm. because that's definitely something that they do. 
I don't know. I can't decide if I think that Jacqueline saw the notebook or not because she doesn't give it away because she's Jacqueline. But I, I do believe that Jacqueline wants what's best for Jane, whether that means taking more risks at Scarlet or taking risks by going to Insight. But I, I think that whatever Jane ends up doing, Jacqueline's going to be there for her. Yeah, I think so, too. And I have no idea if she saw the notebook or not, and it's never really revealed, which I, I, I kind of like that. I like a little mystery. <laughs> Me, too. It's this mystery of uh, how awesome Jacqueline is, really. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, either way, like what she, you know, what she says to Jane about encouraging her to take risks and to pursue things that she doesn't think are safe, even if she knew or not, like it's still great advice. She's still amazing. I thought it was funny. We still don't know. No, that was really funny. Uh, yeah, so that's Jacqueline. Um, there's one more thing about the episode. So Pinstripe is leaving and uh, he has like one final thing to say to Jane, which is she asks him why <clears throat> excuse me, um, why did Pinstripe call her when he found out that he was getting laid off? And he just, like, does this very suave thing and goes, like, you know why. Don't overthink it, Jane. Ugh! Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah. what do you think about that? Because I'm about to go on a rant here. Yeah, I think it means that they had a connection, that they know each other very well, that there's something there that Jane is denying and that they they should be together. I think I think I think that's what he means by that. Yeah, no, that's absolutely what he means by that. Cause he freaking knows her. We've seen that the entire episode. We know that he knows her. And he's just saying, like, yeah, you're very important to me. And the reason that this line is so important is because it's the writers telling us, yo, he's coming back. Do not worry. Yeah. He's coming back. And anyone who tells me different is wrong. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I totally think that he's coming back. And I have an idea about how he's coming back. Mm, me too. <laughs> What's your thought? Well, um, in order to say it, we have to say that at the end of the episode, Jane does decide to take the insight job. Well, I, um, so it's actually really cute. She takes her own quiz um, and she like we see her going through the answers and writing them down. And at the end of it, deciding to leave Scarlet and take the insight job, which was like adorable. Like, Jane, you wrote the quiz. You should know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and very, very bittersweet, like very exciting for Jane to be taking a risk and trying something new and different and going forward in her career, but leaving Scarlet and leaving her friends, it's, which is very, very sad. Yeah. Um, but I think Pinstripe is actually going to get Jane's old job at Scarlet. Really? That's how I think he's going to stick around next season. That's my that's my theory huh. right now. I like that theory. I think he's actually going to get a job at Insight. Oh, that's a good one, too. I don't know which that one was... it's going to be. Either one would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just thought since there's going to be like a vacancy for no. Jane's job. And Jacqueline likes him. You know, she mm -hmm. called him, like, Ryan and everything, so she knows. Yep. That's a good theory, Price. I didn't <laughs> think about that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's how I think Pinstripe's going to stick around in season two. That would be interesting. I don't have a preference between either one of those. I just hope that one of them happens. Oh, because then, oh, if he's at Scarlet and she's at Insight, then they can, like, write the same thing and have that animosity and, like, you know, cover the same topic but differently. And, oh, that would be so cute. Yes, it would be. Yes. Plus, he would, like, get to know her friends maybe a bit better. Yes. Yeah. I, I should just write this shit. Yeah, writers, <laughs> listen to us because we like this show, so you should listen to us. It's super cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's what's going on with Jane. She uh, decides to go with Insight and it is left with her needing to tell Jacqueline. And One so, more episode left. One more episode left, yeah. yeah. So that's Jane. Um, what is Sutton up to this week? Sutton. 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 Brady. Oh, oh boy. Sutton. Sutton's been having, has had some fun this episode. <laughs> I love Sutton in this episode. Okay, so first of all, Alex gets 
a story that Jane pitches. Yay, Alex. Yes, yes. Also, I was, like, slightly annoyed that, like, Jane was annoyed that her story went to Alex, and that has literally happened all season. Yeah, yeah. It's about damn time. Yeah, Jane goes to Sutton and complains about Alex having her story, and I'm just like, Jane, that has happened so many times. Jacqueline has taken Alex's story and given it to you. Like, yeah. really? Yeah, so what the story is, uh, Jane pitches to do a genderless fashion thing. Uh, she would dress in menswear and do all of these things, and Jacqueline's like, yeah, I like it, but it's not quite right. Um, so instead, she offers Alex to do genderless fashion. Sutton wants a solo styling credit in the magazine, so she offers to style Alex. Uh, she would make him look cool, but also feminine, and she brings up actually these really cool ideas, like this kind of manly skirt thing um, that we see. There's a lot of like interesting stuff that she brings up. So he agrees and allows her to style him, which is like kind of adorable, but there's also this weird tension between us, so it, yeah. it happens. And uh, they get stuck in the office with Jane and Pinstripe. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's a very big Sutton Alex episode. Uh, they drink a lot. They play card games, and Sutton and Alex talk about their first impressions of each other. Yeah. Apparently, Alex kept wearing khakis when he first started, and Sutton judged him a lot because well, of it. Khakis are kind of terrible. Especially when you work at a fashion magazine. It's not completely unreasonable. But Alex totally thought that Sutton was uptight. Well, she was busy. And being tortured. And being tortured. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm always going to be on Sutton's side here. Absolutely. It was really cute to see them. And yeah, it's a lot of like friendly banter that they've had all season but like Elizabeth said with a little bit of a uh, sexual tension there Alex is you know told Sutton that he kind of likes her so yeah it's it's a little awkward and so we saw a very common trope in this episode there's something called a bottle episode um and I've seen it a few times before in various other shows but it basically means that you put the characters into a specific location and you film them there for basically the entire episode. So our four characters here, um, five really with Jacqueline, are uh, Alex Sutton, Jane, and Pinstripe. They all get stuck in the Scarlet office, and we get to see the mayhem that ensues. Yeah, bottle episodes are a TV trope and are, you know, seen over and over again. The whole getting stuck in an elevator, like, is a very common one. I love this bottle episode just because it was the premise of the episode is that they're stuck in the building and New York City because Trump keeps visiting New York City and closing all the streets down. I loved the premise of it because it's hilarious and timely and very modern and it feels like that could that could happen. Absolutely. Obama visited Austin actually for South by a few years ago. I think it was last year actually. And 360 um, basically shut down. Like I couldn't go anywhere. Uh, no one could go anywhere. We were just like what's happening? We already don't have the infrastructure and now everything <laughs> is shut down. So I could totally see this happening. Let's talk about some of the things that happen due to this stuck in the Scarlet office situation. So many shenanigans and so much mayhem. First of all, they get smashed drunk off of Scarlet's fall martini. The dr uh, What is it? The unicorn teeny or something? It's it looks like... so gross. <laughs> It's like rainbows and sparkles and whipped cream and sprinkles vodka. and lots of vodka. Yeah, vodka based, just insane. Yeah, um, we also see them make a much better drink, which is it, it ends up being a tequila sunrise or Jane's version of a tequila sunrise. I think it's like orange juice and tequila, basically. The best, like. Ryan has the best lines sometimes. So they're making these drink, and he goes like is this really what y'all do all day? Like, <laughs> it's so pink here. <laughs> yeah, I love how he takes a drink of the unicorn teeny and goes, yep, that tastes what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love him in this episode. Um, let's see, there's also a genderless fashion show. So Pinstripe and Jane get dressed up to match in their genderless fashion. Alex also gets dressed up while Sutton is like, 
picking at him and making sure he looks okay. And they have a random genderless drunken fashion show in the office. <laughs> like, what is happening? It's, it was so cute and so funny and paired so well with Jacqueline in her office being just like completely flustered and irritated. Like she mentions at the beginning of the episode, her son has a basketball game. So she's missing that because she's stuck in the office. And, like, looking out in her office to her drunk employees just, like, <laughs> like goofing off and having a fashion show. And yeah. She, like, takes a moment to just kind of, like, smile and laugh at them. So that was, was adorable. Yeah. So we have, like, drunken antics and, uh, you know, drunk Sutton and Alex are playing a card game. And uh, Jane and Pinstripe are talking about her future. Like, all of this craziness is going on and it's just lovely we love this episode yeah so there is um some relationship drama with Sutton here Richard had called her back at some point in the episode and uh she's kind of freaking out because she doesn't really know what this means and everything and uh she drunkenly hooks up with Alex oh shit yeah they fuck yeah that was awkward and weird and like uh I don't know how I feel about this see like it's okay so the actual like while they're hooking up the scene where they're actually hooking up I thought was actually kind of like sweet and cute and they both seem like into it and eager and like enjoying themselves but then the morning afterward we see Sutton waking up hungover very disheveled and like her face you just see that she she knows it was a mistake yeah this is one of those moments where we definitely get to see the physical comedy side of Sutton because you instantly know that she does not like not that she didn't like what happened but just that she's not sure about it and it probably felt kind of weird the morning after so I thought that was a good moment to see but like yeah I'm with Sutton like I don't know how I feel about this I don't really like it it was just kind of really fast and like oh Sutton what are you doing yeah I when I first watched this I was kind of like on board with them hooking up just because you know it it had been leading up to it you know and like yeah. they have like they have some really they had do have like some good chemistry they you know they're good friends they talk and hang out and like banter there's a reason there is like has been some sexual tension between them but I mean I get that there's like a good relationship there but I always just saw them as friends like it it I don't think it ever crosses that line and I think that sometimes that's really hard to figure out um when you're really good friends with a guy is like am I interested in him? I don't know. Kind of stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I always saw Alex and Sutton as just really good friends, which is why this whole thing was just always so awkward for me. Yeah, I, I like the first time I was watching it, I was kind of on board, but still not sure. And then after seeing her reaction, like waking up in his bed and just like her look of bewilderment and then realization when she remembers what happened, she puts her hands over her face, just like, oh my God, like, what have I done? Oh, no. Like, that's very telling about yeah. her reaction afterwards. Yeah, so that's, that's Sutton. She's also kind of left in a weird place of, okay, so that happened, so what do I do now? Yeah, yeah. So do you want to talk about cat? Cat, 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 cat Edison. Yeah, yeah. So we saved her for last uh, because she's not actually in the Scarlet office with everyone else doing all their shenanigans. But she is kind of in her own little stuck bottle as well. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the last episode, Adina says that she's flying back to New York to be with Kat. And Kat is just insanely excited, tracking her flight and Oh, overjoyed. But there's a problem. Um, whenever Adina gets into New York, she gets held at customs and is being put on a flight back home to the Middle East. She calls Kat real quick and tells her that she's being held and being sent back. And Kat freaks out and just desperately wants to see her. Um, so she buys 
an $11,000 first class plane ticket to the Middle East to try and go and see Adina before she has to leave. Yeah, and it's actually really cute. It's, it's one of the situations in which Kat's let's just do this thing works out for her for the better. Like she decides she wants to do something and she just does it. And that's been Kat's character this whole time and it's gotten her into trouble. But in this case, it's actually kind of a really good idea. Um, And the girls even know this, like down to earth Jane says, oh my God, you're insane. Why are you doing this? And Sutton, romantic Sutton is like, yeah, but it's really, really romantic. I love you. Good luck. Like I thought that was such a like quick, cute, 10 second clip of exactly who they are and, oh. and that was adorable oh yeah yeah even their faces too as Kat is leaving the office to get her passport to go to the airport after they say that Jane is just like has this look of like oh my god what is happening what are you doing and Sutton's face is all soft and just oh how romantic yes exactly I love those little moments where you just see their personalities yeah yeah so Kat gets to the airport and we find out that Adina hasn't received the extension of her work visa she bought a one-way ticket and decided to instead um enter the U.S. as a visitor so she got flagged because you know she could just disappear into the u.s and no one would really find her easily she's kind of in trouble she's being sent back and her visa application can now be revoked so like really bad things are happening yeah it was whenever she calls cat to tell her this news you know she's just on the verge of tears and so upset and so with adina's immigration complications we wanted to talk about uh the current immigration policies that the U.S. has right now. This episode aired last year, um, I think like about six months after the infamous Trump Muslim ban. So Elizabeth did a lot of research and was going to talk about this. Yeah, just like Price said, we tied this into the immigration ban and it was something that was really important to us. So we kind of wanted to make sure that we talked about it and uh, gave like a good overview of it. Because there's been a lot happening. I know that there was a lot of news back in January and February, but actually stuff has been going on this entire year. That would be really easy to miss. Back in January, uh, Donald Trump signed this executive order on refugee admission and uh, immigration bans. It was January 27th. And I found a timeline of all of the policy from 2017 to 2020. So they're probably going to keep updating this and we'll put it on our website for y'all because it explains it much better than I can. So he released this executive order suspending the refugee admission program for 120 days first and then they changed it to 90 days and there was there was all of these like crazy changes that happened. It was a lot of like they don't know what they're doing, so we don't know what we're doing. But back in January when this first happened, if y'all remember, there was this weekend of ACLU lawyers and protests happening at the airports because people were being denied entrance into the U.S. because he just signed this executive order, which was so wrong. So wrong. I mean, yeah, you guys remember it caused utter chaos for several days. Yeah, no one knew who was allowed in. No one knew who was allowed out. And... Trump kept calling it this Muslim ban, uh, which is just awful. One of the reasons that there was so much controversy surrounding this is because the administration didn't really have a good reason for the six or seven or five countries that it kept putting on this ban. I think they tried to change it three or four times and they, you know, they would call it a travel ban or they would call it a uh, refugee change of administration or something like that. And then Trump would go and tweet that it's the Muslim ban. The judge would see this and say, no, that's racist. You can't do that. Stop calling it a Muslim ban. And it probably would have passed. But because he's a racist fuck, he ended up tweeting out that this is a Muslim ban. And you can't deny someone entry based on their religion. That's not how America works. Yeah, I was following the news. I have followed the news with this, but there's just still so many just legal complications that it's hard to kind of wade through and see the current state of things with this ban. Yeah, and Price and I aren't lawyers, so we don't really know the specifics of it, but we're going to post all of this information. There's also a great article from The Atlantic that shows a lot of these pictures of the protests that happened, which, you know, kind of gives me hope of like, no, most of America knows that this is wrong. Most of America knows that we shouldn't 
judge someone based on their religion alone. Um, we should take in refugees who are fleeing a war-torn country, which is kind of our fault. And that's just the way it should be. And anyone who says otherwise is, I'll, I'll talk with you as much as you want, but I disagree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Those pictures in that Atlanta article are just so heartbreaking. And even I remember like when this was all going on and when this first announced and all the chaos that was happening at the airports, like it was so heartbreaking to see. But there was a glimmer of hope with all the lawyers who just dropped everything that weekend and went to go help people stuck at airports. And yeah, I work at a law firm and there are a couple of our attorneys who did that, which was really, really good. Yeah, Seattle has definitely been part of um, the drive to make sure that this unconstitutional. There's been a few court cases based out of Seattle that have constantly made sure that this doesn't get through the court system because it is unconstitutional. One of the main reasons that this isn't okay is because in that January weekend, people were coming in with valid visas. They were given a visa and they got on a plane. And then at some point, this executive order came through and it put into question if those visas were valid. And that's wrong because once you give someone a visa, it's valid. And that's how the way that visas work. You can't just revoke it once it's given um, because that would be insane. You know, if I got a visa yeah. to another country, got on a plane and found that it was invalid, I would lose my mind like that. And that's crazy that all of this, uh, one of the main things that really annoys me about this administration is they don't really have a plan. They, yeah. they just put something into effect without thinking about the diplomacy of it or thinking about the consequences. They're basically a toddler signing things that someone tells them to sign. They don't think about what's going to happen next. And all of this nonsense happens and everyone's freaking out and it just causes so much struggle and stress. And that's that just annoys me when, you know, if you don't think about your actions, if you don't behave like an adult, it's not going to go well. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I remember like from last year, just the utter chaos and just the heartbreaking stories, you know, that were coming in the news about uh, people being held who had lived here most of their lives or had valid visas or were coming from more torn countries as refugees and just everything being in limbo for them. And uh, yeah, just the the scramble for attorneys to help them and for the courts to declare this unconstitutional. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so what have people done? There's been a lot of things that have happened because of this. I know Hawaii, um, they ended up submitting a court case that also declared this unconstitutional and they followed through to make sure that this isn't right. And, and they took it up a few circuits. So the ACLU has actually been a big proponent of this. That's kind of what they do in the grander scheme of things is they make sure that we don't lose sight of these things. We don't just make them fall away. We make sure that we follow through all these courts and constantly make sure that that it's unconstitutional like we believe it is. Actually, just this February, a few weeks ago, the fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals declared that the travel ban was unconstitutional. So over a year after it was passed in an executive order, people are still saying, no, this is wrong. And the best part about that, the fourth U.S. Circuit Court is notoriously conservative. And even they think that this is something that's not okay. And the travel ban was only supposed to last for 120 days or 90 days, and it's been a year. Like, are you kidding me? I'm so pleased with the Justice Department and how they have been consistent and they haven't been swayed, you know, like they're supposed to. Judges are supposed to be impartial. And I, I'm so happy that this has worked out in our favor, but there has been like a lot of other things that are brought up that we need to make sure that we're, you know, paying attention to. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's where the travel ban is. Um, lots of people have worked very, very hard to make sure that it's passed the correct way and it's been made sure that, yes, this is unconstitutional, this is racist, and uh, I'm... Yeah, good job, ACLU. Yeah, no, doing doing some very good work, very good necessary work for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I think this time the travel ban's finally dead. I don't think it's going to go to the Supreme Court. I think it's just going to, this is like the final dead, dead situation. But 
There's still lots of immigration uh, things that the Trump administration is trying to fix. Um, there's DACA, which is the children's program. If you were brought over by your parents into the U.S. when you're a certain age, during the Obama administration, he started this program and he said that if you sign up, if you voluntarily give us your information, you have to meet certain criteria, like you have to go to college or you have to have a job or something like that. You can stay in the U.S. because it's all you know. And you won't be a U.S. citizen, but you will be protected under this DACA plan. And the Trump administration has tried to get rid of it and basically force these people out who we said you would be safe if you gave us your information. And that like just hurts my soul. Yeah. All they know is the United States and he wants to send them back to these countries after we've poured so many resources into them and he wants to send them back to places they have no idea of, which is just not okay. Yeah, no, the DACA is heartbreaking as well and just uh, the, our Congress trying to fix it and not coming up with a solution and well, offering... I know, there's a lot going on. There's it's a lot going on, and we could do a whole other thing on DACA, <laughs> but one of the things that does annoy me is that most people are for DACA staying into place. The only reason that it's still up in the air is because Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan won't put it on the floor of Congress. It has been said so many times, just put it on the floor, we'll vote for it, it'll be fine, and they won't put it on the docket because they're stupid. And that just annoys me. There's other situations just like this. There are 200,000 El Salvadorians who were granted temporary status that the Trump administration also says that they have to leave. The administration has also started pressing on individual states like California and Texas to change their immigration policies. And of course, there's this ever-present wall plan. I, I don't even want to call it a plan because I don't think that he has a plan. He doesn't understand anything about it. It's a crazy world. And, you know, we just have to stay vigilant for people that not only are citizens and need rights, but for people who don't have all of the rights that maybe you and I have and to make sure that they are protected in the ways that they should be. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I think, yeah, I think our conclusion is that the U.S. Uh, immigration policies are as currently really fucked up right now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad that the bold type brought this up because it was such a poignant episode um, because of all of this immigration stuff. Like you said, the episode aired like six months after the travel ban was introduced when it was still a controversy and still going through the courts. So it was really great. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to mention about immigration. So I live in Texas. You're from Texas, as we've mentioned. And uh, there's a congressman going for Ted Cruz's seat. He's a Democrat. His name is Beto O'Rourke. Beto, short for Roberto. So cute. And he <laughs> he's from El Paso. He currently represents that area in the House. And he's campaigning to be a senator of Texas. He's trying to visit all of the counties in Texas and have a town hall in each one. He's visited places where the last time they had a presidential candidate or even a senatorial candidate visit was back when LBJ was visiting. Wow. Yeah, so like decades ago. I think that was Archer City. So just crazy things. He's he's so cool. Um, I... I've listened to him talk a few times. He's very active on social media. One of his aides will live stream him driving from county to county in Texas. And it's <laughs> wow. just like, it's the cutest thing. Anyway, he, so he's from El Paso. He understands immigration. And they have a sister city relationship with uh, Ciudad, the city on the other side of the border. And he knows how to have a safe city. The FBI has consistently voted El Paso as one of the top safest cities in America because of this relationship that they have across the border. And it's it's not about cutting that off. It's about forming a relationship, making sure that we work together, understand that we're all human and we're going to make mistakes, but to understand that we can work with them just fine and, and we can both make each other safer by talking to each other and being a part of each other's lives. And I think that that's just like such a sweet and wonderful thing to say. 
Yeah. No, I've heard, I mean, I'm not in Texas anymore, but even I've heard, like, just very, very good things about him. And getting Ted Cruz out, yes, please. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely vote for him because we don't like Ted Cruz, but absolutely vote for him because he's wonderful as well. Like, I I would encourage everyone to go on his Facebook page and go uh, hear him speak. We're going to post a video that he posted, but he also live streams most of his town halls. The other day I was listening to him speak in Nacogdoches on Facebook, and he's just, he's very down to earth, and he understands the struggle that people are facing, and he listens. And I feel like now we don't have a lot of people listen to us or Texas is so huge. So not a lot of people vote because we feel like our voice isn't being heard. And he's going around to tell people, no, I hear you. I see you. Let's make a plan together and then we can fix this. I promise. And uh, I could go on for a lot longer about him. So I'm not. But he is wonderful and I like him a lot. And his view on the wall and on the immigration ban is exactly in line with mine and so that's that's why i love him so much yeah i definitely want to hear more about him and i'm going to look into him more yeah even though this is just such a like heartbreaking controversial topic like our current immigration policies it was so nice to see the bold type kind of explore it a little adina's visa problems aren't exactly like it, it doesn't reference the band specifically but they do touch on it and uh, touch on immigration here in our country and Kat's freaking out because she can't get a hold of Adina and she said did they take her phone can they do that and Sutton says I think they can do whatever they want now yeah and it is very heartbreaking and I I don't like that all of this has happened so now we have to question it but I really like how um active people are starting to be. I like that people know about this and we can talk about it. And I feel like that's how change happens. And yeah, we see that with the bold type, like they bring up this immigration policy and it gets people thinking. And I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Even if you disagree with them, even if you think that, yeah, you know, she shouldn't be allowed access to the United States. That makes sense. Um, Because there was the question of if she could disappear and if she is coming in illegally. Like, we can't can't just say that that's not a possibility, because it is. Even if you think that, let's talk about it and let's figure out maybe where we can find some middle ground. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. (sighs) So is there anything else about um, immigration policy you wanted to mention? I... I think that's my entire spiel. I'm really glad my voice didn't give out during that, but it is starting to crack now. Um, Yeah, we're going to post all of these links on our website like we always do. If you see anything that you would like to talk about or um, any controversy or something that we mentioned that maybe wasn't quite right, please let us know because I always love learning. I know that Price does too. And uh, yeah, so um, yeah, there's this adorable part that also goes along with the immigration, right? Like Kat and Adina have this sweet bubblegum pink moment while they're stuck at the airport. Yeah, this this episode and the Kat and Adina storyline, I think perfectly highlights the theme that we've been talking about all season about bubblegum pink fantasy situations versus real life issues. So on the one hand, you have like this very real immigration issue that Adina's going through. She's being deported from the country and being sent away. But when uh, Kat goes to the airport and tries to see her, yeah, they find each other. And so they have like 10 hours left in the airport before Adina has to leave. So they go on this adorable date, like which is just so bubblegum pink. Like. Yeah, it's really cute. Like they go to the food court, but everything's closed. And then Kat realizes that she has a first class ticket. So she gets access to the first class lounge, which has just this mild long buffet of food and they build a blanket for it and it's just (laughs) oh it's freaking adorable it's so adorable very unrealistic because i if she was being like deported and they took her phone i doubt that they would just let her roam the airport yeah (laughs) probably however however long she did but i don't care i'll take it because (laughs) their date is just 
so cute and so sweet. And it was the first date that they've been on. So they just like, they talk about uh, going on adventures and traveling and, you know, all the places that Adina has traveled to and all the things that she's learned when she's traveled and um, how, how Kat has never really gone anywhere. And she kind of talks about like her parents a little bit and Adina, she's traveled so much, but she wants to build a home and stay somewhere for a while, but Kat kind of wants an adventure. And she says, you know, I have, I have this ticket. What if I went with you? So Kat might go with Adina to her Middle Eastern country, just take off and go. Yeah, it was, um, it was really great to see this conversation because they did talk about a lot of things that you talk about on a date. And yeah, Kat makes this crazy idea to just hey, I'll go with you. Why not? I have the ticket and everything. I I should just go. Um, Yeah. So then we have this like, oh shit, what's going to happen? While we're also seeing the bottle episode at the Scarlet office and at the same time that Sutton and Alex, fuck, Kat and Adina also have sex and we get this really great speechlessness scene of both of these situations unfolding and it's just it's it's kind of great yeah such a very sweet intimate moment whenever Kat and Adina have sex for the first time and just it's uh, just oozes romance and oozes like sweetness and just yeah it was so great it was very very cute yeah so the next morning happens and they're still like cuddled up and it's all sweet and you know Sutton's Adorable. hungover <laughs> and regretting her decision um and so we see so they're about to get on the plane and Kat's waiting with Adina and it's like this really tense moment of waiting but she ends up chickening out she makes the smart and safe decision to stay back in America where she currently belongs and and she doesn't get on the plane with Adina oh it's just it's so heartbreaking seeing Kat like wanting to go um wanting to be with Adina and then Adina reassuring her saying no like you should go for yourself you shouldn't go for any other reason and Kat starts apologizing and Adina says you know no 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 there's nothing for you to apologize about like everything is going to be okay and just they're both oh but they're both crying and it's just oh it's so heartbreaking yeah we really see adina's maturity in this moment too though like she she understands completely like she's very bittersweet about it because she would have loved for cat but she totally gets how this is an insane decision and that cat can't just go to be with adina halfway across the world so i i thought that this was a really good scene for that actress um adina because it just it shows how complex her emotions are but also how she agrees that Kat should stay, and that's fine, too. Yeah. I mean, heartbreaking is just the right word for this. You know, they want to be together so badly, and they care about each other very, very much, and they were finally getting on the same page and finally going to be in the same place, but Adina is being forced to leave again, and and without knowing when she can or will come back. Yeah, like, because uh, they mentioned that her visa could be revoked now. Like, she could maybe never come back to the United States. And that's so, so heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, it's unspecified what country is her home. Uh, somewhere in the Middle East, and she speaks Persian, but uh, so we can draw conclusions from there. It's been established that her country isn't exactly friendly with her, with her occupation and her views and her sexuality so things are very up in the air with where Adina is going to be and that just makes it even more sad and heartbreaking with her leaving Kat not knowing when or if they'll see each other again yeah yeah definitely so that's Kat um she's staying in America and heartbroken a little bit and Adina is she can't come back so that's all three of them are just so up in the air right now yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, yeah. oh man, <laughs> it's, it's it's a very very good episode though. One of my favorites. I really liked this episode. It doesn't beat five, which is my favorite episode, but I I very much enjoyed this episode. This is probably my second favorite episode. 
I I don't know if this is like my favorite favorite episode, but it's like up there, like number one or number two for sure. Well, you did say that this had your favorite moment though, right? Well, okay, my favorite funniest moment. <laughs> um, yes, for sure. Whenever and it has to do with Sutton, of course, of comedic course. Sutton. Yes, like yeah. So whenever Alex, Jane, Sutton, and Pinstripe sneak into Jacqueline's office to try and see Trump in the motorcade, drunk Sutton gets on Jacqueline's <laughs> treadmill and is using it, saying, "I want one of these." And <laughs> Jane, Jane's like, "Oh, don't t- don't change the setting." So Sutton's going on the treadmill, and they're just like poking around our office and then Jacqueline shows up and Sutton falls off the treadmill well she like eats it she She doesn't just fall she eats it which is really hard so those treadmills they're not automatic you actually have to push them so the fact that she falls and like flat on her face is amazing like so funny like falls flat on her face and the treadmill like pushes her off like it just it's it's she goes flying she goes flying, which I didn't even think you could do if you weren't a cartoon, but Megan Fahey pulls it off. Yeah. And... No, she's seriously got, like, amazing comedic acting at this point. Like, oh, she's yeah. got it down. Oh, yeah. That was definitely, I think, my favorite funniest moment of this episode, and I think, like, across the whole season. What was yours? Well, I know we both really liked this, but there was a lot of like Trump quotes and making fun of him throughout the episode. So me being me, I went up and I data pointed all of these Trump quotes and it ends up being that there's one like jab at Trump every five minutes, which is like SNL standards. Um, there's I, I calculated nine. I think you saw that there were like 11 or 12 or something. But yeah, yeah so there's about nine of them, which is about one every five minutes for this episode and they were just so great like my favorite one actually is uh one from Jacqueline so she walks in she's just on this telephone just really angry and trying to get Trump out of the way so she can leave and she talks about like how many courses can he eat and like oh I guess it seems that number 45 has ordered a souffle to go along with his two scoops of ice cream and it's just like they they make fun of him but they don't ever say his name, really. And I thought that that was also very clever. Yeah, they don't ever say his name. Like, Jacqueline calls him um, that man mm-hmm. at a meeting, number 45, him, orange blob. Yeah, Sutton does say, like, I think we can see Trump. But other than that, the closest they get to it is that when Sutton and Alex are playing cards and drinking, Sutton says, Aces Trump Jack, drink. And Alex says, you said the no-no word which is Trump. So then they take a shot for that. Yeah, and I I thought that that was a really clever writing scheme to try and get around saying it while also making fun of him because this show is pretty liberal, let's be honest, and I I just thought that was wonderful. That was that was oh, yeah. my favorite part of this episode. Yeah, I definitely counted like 12 Trump references throughout the episode. Not all of them making fun of him, but the ones where they did were just very like uh like twisting the knife. Yeah. Absolutely. Like. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, that was episode nine. We have one more episode. So what are we looking forward to for the girls? Um, Let's start with Jane. With Jane, well, she accepted the Insight job. So her working at Insight is going to be the thing I'm looking forward to the most. And Yeah, I'm really excited to see what Jane does this last episode, you know, to kind of end her reign at Scarlet, and I'm excited to see her at Inside. I think she's going to thrive there. Yeah, I think it'll be really good for her. I am, like, equal parts looking forward to and dreading her telling Jacqueline that she's leaving. Yeah, which I'm sure that's exactly how Jane is feeling as well. Yeah, on the one hand, I really am looking forward to their heart-to-heart and talking about how Jacqueline is, how much she's meant to Jane and how much she's mentored her, but it's also just going to be very, very sad and bittersweet. Yeah, of course. So what about Sutton? What are you looking forward to for her? Oh, Sutton. We didn't get a lot. I mean, we got a lot of romantic Sutton, but not really job Sutton this episode. I guess that was kind of taken care of in the last two episodes. I, I'm looking forward to see how her and Alex deal I guess I don't know I like I said I'm not really into this relationship so we'll see how that uh turns out next episode 
Yeah, no, I'm of the same thought. We haven't seen Oliver in a while, like for a few episodes. So I'm looking forward to him coming back and her love life is a little messed up right now. So I'm hoping that she can channel being unsure about that into her job and her mentorship with uh, Oliver. Yeah, definitely. Um, With Kat, I'm very glad she stayed in the U.S., but I am also kind of sad that her and Adina can't be together. So I'm hoping that she figures out some way to do this or we we get more information about that before uh, the season ends. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, Kat kind of addressing this restlessness that she's feeling. You know, she wants to go on an adventure. She feels like she hasn't gone anywhere, done anything. And I just, I think there's just this impatientness and restlessness. And um, I don't think she knows exactly what she wants. So I'm kind of... Like, looking forward to her figuring that out. Yeah, we are getting kind of that question uh, about what Kat is about and, you know, what she really wants to do with her life. And I think that that's such an interesting question that a lot of people have. You can subscribe to TNTV on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast hub, and can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TTV Podcast. Check out our website, www.tandtv.com, for related links and commentary, and be sure to watch The Bold Type with us, available on Freeform, Hulu, and Amazon. Join us next time when we pick apart episode 10, Carry the Weight, and discuss sexual assault, the Me Too movement, and Time's Up. If you're not watching The Bold Type like you should be, still keep us on your subscription list for our episodes later in the year. We have a wide range of tastes and love hearing suggestions. So until next time, drink tea. And happy binging.